Welcome to the Golf Better Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Dominski. This episode of the Golf Better Podcast is brought to you by MySecretsToSpinningIt.com. This 90-minute video is a deep dive into backspin and how you can add more to your game. It goes step-by-step to show you the secrets to the sauce and how you can spin the ball like never before. Head to MySecretsToSpinningIt.com to get this spin video. Today is part two with Scott Fawcett. If you haven't yet, be sure to check out our part one. Today, we dive deeper into course management keys and tips on how you can implement them into your game. We'll also talk about the Tiger 5 and what Tiger Woods knew that we're just recently finding out. Enjoy. Perfect. Now, uh, kind of touching in on that, what are some of the most common mistakes that you see golfers make from a strategy perspective, be it an average golfer, be it a tour player? Where are some common mistakes that you can see people where where they could trim the fat, lower some scores, um, if there's anything kind of easier that you see? It's, it's a combination of, of, of aggressive and conservative. Too many people think, well, I'll just hit this three-wood off the tee and get it in the fairway or even this, this long iron. I'll just do that as opposed to hitting driver. Well, I don't want to be in the rough. And it's like, well, just because you hit driver doesn't mean that it's going to be in the rough. And just because you hit two iron doesn't mean it's going to be in the fairway either. I mean, shot pattern on a par three on the PGA tour from 195 yards, number 15 at Innisbrook. I I refer to this one all the time in my seminar shot pattern is it's literally a 195 yard hole. Every single shot is hit off of a tee off of a flat piece of grass. And the shot pattern on that thing is 50 yards wide. Wow. And it's just mind-boggling because, you know, you get a hole like number six at Wingfoot, which historically, you know, that's the drivable-ish par four. And yeah. it was just awesome leading into it last year. Like, you know, there was a couple of old golf pundits named yeah. Peter Kessler who are a little off their rocket rocker who are just – I posted something about every guy in the field is going to hit driver on six. And he lambasted me back like, oh, my God, you really are an idiot. You have no idea what you're talking yeah. about. Any, anyone who hits driver on six is a moron. I'm like, you better be prepared to tell the entire field that next week then. Mm-hmm. And it was just comical to watch each day fewer and fewer people lay it back because they're hitting the fairway like 60, maybe 70% of the time. I'm making that number up out of thin air, so don't uh, spat nerd me at home. But they certainly weren't hitting it much. And so now – We've got quite a bit of the time that we're standing back there in the rough at 110 to what is a dead green. You just, you got to yeah. ship the driver up there on holes like that. Tenant Riviera, another great example. You just got to hit driver. So if, if you had to boil me down into a nutshell, it would be super aggressive off the tee, which most people actually tend to be conservative off the tee. And then I hate using the words conservative and aggressive, but definitely conservative into the greens would be what you know you would traditionally think of the correct shot pattern and so most people play i mean again it's funny they play exactly the opposite they play super conservative off the tee and then super aggressive into the green it's like yeah i mean it's 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 pretty damn funny actually when you when you have conversations and you you start pulling at these threads with people and would you say just conservative into greens, meaning not hitting as many flags, just essentially hitting more greens in regulation, as we know that's, you know, quite an important step for the average golfer to to lower their scores, essentially? Exactly. I mean, and, you know, Zalatoris, he's, you know, I mean, he's not playing the Corn Fair anymore right now. It's still technically the same season. 
he's at like 81% of greens and regulation, uh, you know, and he's leading by like 5% on the corn Ferry tour this yeah. season. But even he'll, even still, Will wouldn't wake up at the end of the season and think, I just hit too many greens this year. <laughs> I'm pretty sure Henrik Stenson finished a season or two over 80% on the European tour. Like, it just doesn't happen. And, and this is where Mark Brody correctly says, you know, like 100% of the greens in regulation is actually not optimal, as, as odd as that sounds, hmm. because it implies you're being too conservative, especially with your, your, your shots inside of like 140 or so. Mm-hmm. And so you should be missing some because you should, I mean, you got to get some birdie looks. And so inside of 140, 120-ish is where we're going to start getting more aggressive, if you will. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you should be missing some greens. And then obviously you're going to not hit every fairway and, and whatever. But uh, essentially greens and regulation, yes. But you're just – where it gets hard, I keep on trying to think of how I want to say this. Mm-hmm. The real problem in golf is it's the only sport in the world that's not played on a uniform field of competition. Mm-hmm. So yep. if I told you I was playing basketball last night, I was at the top of the key, and this guy switched on me uh, on defense from the right wing, mm-hmm. you kind of know what I'm talking about. Like you got a pretty yep. good indication of what just happened. If I tell you, well, I was 167 in the middle of one fairway, should I fire this pin? You're like, well, where's <laughs> the pin? What's the adjacent hazard? What are the conditions? Like, there's golf is just so unique in so many ways, which, you know, is probably what makes it the greatest game ever. But again, the, the, the example I always give on that is number 18 at St. Andrews. It's a 360 yard par four with, yeah, there's a town on the right, but we've also got a hundred yards to the left. And that green is 52 yards wide. Number 10 at Pebble beach at the U S open tees is over 500 yards long there's an ocean on the right, and the green is 17 yards wide. Middle of the green is terrible advice in all circumstances, unless the pin's in the middle of the green on 18 at St. Andrews. And paradoxically, it's also bad advice on number 10 at Pebble Beach because you should actually be aiming left of the middle of the green on 10 at Pebble Beach. Um, you know, considering you're playing the hole from 500 yards, you're probably going to have at least 200 in, and the green's only 17 yards wide. Like, left edge of the green is almost the target. And, again, what's fun is you can get into the shot link tracker two images where they just show you the scatter plots of all the shots. And, again, these guys aren't total morons. You can see if you didn't see the green underneath it, the, 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 the animation of the green, and you just said, where's the, where's the middle of this shot pattern? And you put a dot, and then you brought the image back in, it would be left of the center of the green. It would be just mm. inside the left fringe. So, again, these guys – by the time you get out on tour, again, they've, they've got a few things wrong in their their inner conversation of, you know, don't miss it right, don't listen to it, I'm trying to work it too much and whatever. But they, for the most part, their strategy is not awful. Um, again, a guy like Stuart Sink, what we're really tightening up is his internal belief of, I feel like I'm playing too aggressively, but, man, you got to go so low to win. Well, it's like, yeah, that's why you don't win much. <laughs> Mm-hmm. This isn't tennis where if I'm better than you, I'm going to beat you. That's not how it works. Uh, you've got to get lucky. I mean, it's why I start my seminar off by saying winning requires luck. I think that's the mm-hmm. most important thing people have to leave knowing is, guess what? You're probably not going to win this week. I mean, even Tiger Woods, yeah. I could bet him and I could give him odds every single week during his career. You're not going to win this week. And I would print money. It's, it's mm-hmm. just, you got to get out of this attachment. Again, now we're going into like the actual classic golf 
you know, mindset advice of you've got to get out of results and get into process and it all's cliche, but it's all pretty damn accurate too. Now, talking about course management, and let's talk about Tiger Woods. I know you know some of his, his numbers. Can you talk about some of the great course management things that he's done throughout his career, maybe specifically in the 2000s, or I know there's a year where, I forget what year it was, but he maybe like lost, maybe there's only two shots he hit that were seven. Like Two, 2013, he he hit seven shots, approach shots that lost more than a half a stroke gain approach. Like he and just that, never hit materially bad shots. Right. So from a course management perspective, he's just never being in a in a terrible position or anything like that. Yeah, he just he just never gets. It's easy to say, like, well, yeah, he's great. I don't disagree. He's great, but also materially bad shots. The, the vast majority of whenever I reflect on them with players, I'm like, well, what were you thinking? And like. You know, I like to fade at the pin. Was I can, I can, I know what these guys are thinking. Like, if the pin's on the left, I know this this player is a fader, and he winds up twenty yards right of the green. I'm like, you tried to hit a chippy draw to that left pin, and you blocked it straight right. Like, pretty much. And it's it is funny how how often you can see that. I got another player one time who's a drawer, number nine in Houston, is a par three that plays about two thirty, and he hits it left of the left bunkers of the green. The pin was on the right. And he's over there, over there by the cart path, 60 yards away from the pin. I'm like, so you tried to flare a two iron by that pin on a hole that the average score is like 3.4 for the day. Like, you're trying to get a look at birdie on a hole that par picks you up a half a shot almost? And wow. it's just funny because they get so sheepish and they're like, yeah, I mean, again, there's no other way to explain this shot coming up where it did aside from a double cross. Sure, sure. And then you just know what their stock shot is. And so this is where, again, I, 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 I talk so much, and Zalatoris kind of threw me under the bus. I can't wait to punch him in the face when he gets back from the British Open. But he was on <laughs> golf TV. Uh, just kidding, buddy. I'm sure he's not listening. But um, it is, uh, it's funny because I, I am very dogmatic with the driver. You only shape that thing one direction. And if that doesn't fit the hole, you pick a different club, but like number 10 at Augusta, you know, Zalatoris is a guy that's going to draw basically every driver he hits. So you come up to that hole and yeah, you can put a three wood back in your stance and roast a draw. Cool. You're changing path with ball position, which is much easier to do than changing path with actually changing your swing. Yeah. And so that being said, the reason I brought him up is he was talking about, you know, like sometimes I'm out there shaping shots with irons both ways. I'm like, that's totally fine. Uh, you know, I don't think you need to very often, but if you have to, like, I, I, I'm not going to fight that battle because it's harder to get yourself in that much trouble with a double cross seven iron. But the question you really need to be asking yourself if you're going to try to work it the other way than your stock shot is, why am I doing this? And if that answer is to get a look at birdie, that is never a good enough reason. Like, that is never a good enough reason. If it's, well, the wind's off the left pretty hard, and I need to kind of flight it down a little bit, maybe turn it over a little bit. I, I still don't think it's necessary, but I get that sure. as long as, you know, essentially the middle of the green is, is your target. Like once you start trying to shape it the other direction, the shot needs to be complicated enough that essentially, you know, unless the green is, you know, as wide as 18 sure. at St. Andrews. But I, this, is where it's, this is where it's even so hard giving podcasts like this because I hate making blanket like dogmatic statements because there's always a, 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 a you know an asterisk especially yeah. in a game like this where every situation is unique 
But what's so fun for me is like, again, the haters, whenever I make these dogmatic statements on social media, they will go to the most absurd extreme example possible just to show you, ha-ha, here's a spot. It's like, okay, great, you found one in a thousand. You've, you've thrown a thousand attempts at me, and you, you didn't found one. Congratulations. Now, if you only work at that one in a thousand times, this is really what it boils down to, especially with like, hey, I need to force something here. I got to make a birdie. Like, you're just not going to do it on that given situation you for every one time you pick a spot that it's correct to deviate from proper strategy or your shot shape you're probably going to do it five times incorrectly for a net loss and i think that's the thing that most people don't get whenever i'm making those dogmatic claims is i think there might be a spot or two here and there where you should be getting more aggressive but just by giving especially juger in college and, and tour players in their 20s just mm-hmm. by giving them the the right, like I can actually take the right away from, but just by giving them the right to override the system, they're going to do it way too often. And that's mm-hmm. the entire reason I'm so dogmatic about it. Like, no, no, because it's, it's never like massively the wrong thing to just stick to your shot shape. I mean, that's just never the case. And so just if you got yourself into a situation where you're on the 18th hole and you need to make birdie with a four iron, guess what? This probably isn't your week. Now let's yeah. just don't throw away second place in yeah. FedEx Cup playoffs. Exactly. And um, so speaking on driver, you, you've heard a lot of the guys, even in the media, Dustin Johnson said, you know, when do you, when's the last time you've drawn a driver? And I don't think he could think of it. He says, never. Rory, same thing. You see a lot of these guys, kind of due to some of the mechanics of, of the modern driver and all that, where it is a little bit trickier, can be a little bit trickier to turn it over. You've seen a lot of them fade it, not necessarily fade it, but really playing one shot shape. And again, that gives us some enhanced predictability rather than trying to to do too much with the club where it's just too tough to do that. Yep. I mean, that's it. I mean, again, the whole point of golf instruction, the whole point of you beating balls on a range until your hands bleed is to make your shot patterns smaller. I mean, like, like that, this is where I laugh sometimes when people will, will give some biomechanics definition of something and it's just like, oh, so you should just put your weight on your trail foot? Like, okay. Like, that, why did you have to go into that long of a description? But that's where this it, it is boiling down to, to the nuts and bolts of the, the nuts and bolts of, of instruction is to make your shot pattern smaller. I'm not trying to make that more complicated than it sounds, but that's what you're doing. And the quickest way to do that for 100% of players is to hit your stock shot. Like that's just a fact. There is not a single player that I've ever come across who, if I say go hit 20 of your stock shots and then go hit 20 of your other field shots, literally just do them right in a row. Yeah, just I don't even be like we're not. We're, this isn't even game situations now. Now let's just go do a test. They will 100% of the time have a larger shot pattern with their other shape, and if it's not, then you should make that other one your your stock shot. <laughs> like that's the comedy of it, where it's like, well, no, I hit this one better. Well, then hit that one more. Like yeah, but nobody's nobody's. You have one shape you hit better. Everybody does, and that should be what you're hitting the the. I mean, literally, in my opinion, on 100% of shots. Like, I, I also catch grief for throwing my handicap around. Like, I'm a plus five, and I haven't been a member at a golf course in four and a half years at this point. I do not play golf. My handicap is only from USGA, the US Mid-Am, yeah. US Mid-Am qualifiers. Like, I don't play golf, and I, don't, I, I can hit a draw, but I have not intentionally hit a draw on a golf course. Mm. I couldn't tell you how long, and yeah. I'm – at a minimum, pretty good at golf. And so it's yeah. like, 
if you uh, if you want to work it both ways, well, can you beat me? If that answer is no, then I'm just proof and pudding. You you do not have to work it both ways to get to this level. Yeah, and we had uh, I had Scott Hamilton on the podcast, and something he said is mm-hmm. a lot of these guys are so good at like hitting one shot a ton of times. Like they they're just so good at hitting like kind of a, a similar stock shot, like you've mentioned. And you've you've got some of the outliers that kind of do, you know, work the ball like a Bubba Watson, but but it, overall. But again, yeah. but he only does it with the irons, and that's a that's a critical point. He does not draw the driver ever. Yeah. yeah. Carry on. Well, let's get to a few uh, a few more here, and then we'll let you go. Um, so some some scratch golf metrics. Let's say I'm floating around mid nineties. I know you've got some good numbers on these. I want to get to the 70s. A lot of times people think, hey, i got to just make more birdies, get more birdies. What's the difference between, like, a 95 shooter and someone who shoots in the 70s as far as the amount of birdies they make? I know you know this number when I heard it. It's it's a little bit eye-opening for some. Well, the number that you're referring to there is if, you're, if your scoring average is 90, or excuse me, yeah. 95, once you drop down to 79, that person makes one birdie more per round, the 79 versus the 95. Okay. So out of those 16 shots of improvement, only one of them is from an increase in birdies. As I'm, I literally just pulled up whenever you started moving into this, the, the stats portal from, from the decade, my, my, my genie account. And 87 – and this isn't – I shouldn't say this isn't an 87 average player. This is every score that comes in over 84 into the decade app the average score for those is 87, and they have .72 birdies per round, which, to be perfectly honest, is a lot more than I would have expected. Yeah. Like, they make a, a, a birdie not every round, but every 27 holes. Like, that's pretty damn impressive, actually. Yeah. Um, a 78.8 average, so a 79, he makes 1.44 birdies per round. So from 87 to 79, eight shots, you know, .7 of those yeah. is – from an increase in birdies, they go from, uh, you know, the doubles is really where the, yeah. the 87 and down just starts, I mean, melting away shots. They average uh, doubles plus per round. They average, you know, seven for the 87 shooter. And we wow. get down to the low 70s. They average, uh, what do we got here? Doubles per, oh, sorry, that was bogeys. Double bogeys plus per round. They average 3.8 for 87. And we get down to a half of a double bogey, so a double bogey every 36 holes for 73. Well, I mean, so really, it's just, the scoring is about trimming the fat, trimming those really bad where you're spending. I tell a lot of people like, hey, if you want to be this handicap again, you've got strokes to spend. Like, hey, we can spend some shots. Let's not spend them all in one place or on a couple of holes because now you know we don't we we don't got much of a budget for the remaining 17. Well, and, and the, that's a great analogy, and honestly, I haven't given my seminar. I've, I've done it a couple times in the last month, but obviously during all of COVID, I hadn't given it at all. And it's funny because you just jogged my memory on a, on a line that I used to use in my seminar. If you, if you hire a corporate turnaround guy to come in and fix a bad company, they're not going to come in and say, how can we sell more product? Mm-hmm. That is, and if they do, you should fire them and find another <laughs> turnaround specialist. They're going to come in and say, where can we stop spending money? Like, and that's, you know, you, you can hate it as much as you want to and just be like, well, that's the problem. With it. No, it's far easier to stop spending money than to start making money. And to be perfectly honest, unless you, until you figure it out, selling more stuff might just cost you more money. Like, yeah. Yeah. you've gotten yourself into a bad position here. You're an 87 average in business because you're doing something wrong. We don't need to, we don't need more revenue. We gotta we gotta work on the other side, and that's really it's just the birdie 
so many of these analogies work just so perfectly. It's the birdie to bogey ratio that I don't need you making more birdies. Like, let's pretend your scoring average, birdies per round, let's pretend your scoring average is 78.8, so you average 1.4 birdies per round. If I said you don't get to ever make another birdie, like your scoring average is only going up 1.4 shots. Like, not ideal, but it's not that important versus they average five and a half bogeys around and one and a half doubles and higher per round. Like those guys, like that is, if you think about it, seven, eight, six, seven, that's seven of 11 holes. I mean, obviously damn near half the holes you're making bogey or worse on versus 10%, less than 10% making 30. It is just entirely about avoiding mistakes. And, And again, even if it weren't, the main thing that I always try to really drill down to in my instruction and with content in the decade app is what is the actionable takeaway you can take from this? What can I tell you to go do? I can't tell you go make more birdies. Yeah. There's no way you need to. Well, that's like saying, go get better. (laughs) Okay. That's the point. I can tell you to go make fewer mistakes and Mm -hmm. you know what that means and you, you can do it. And honestly, this dovetails perfectly into the, the, the way we track stats in the foundations app, because I'm just trying to, to get players in the habit of tracking stats rather than, you know, greens and regulation. The first couple months while you're in the foundations program, we track what we call the tiger five. And, mm-hmm. you know, again, Como is down the street for me. I've known this guy forever. I didn't talk with Como much about tiger just because of yep. the NDA and everything, but yep. I've heard from enough other caddies and enough other players that tiger used to track these five stats when he was, mm. you know, the greatest. And it is, how many double bogeys did I have on par fives? And I, I'm trying to word this better because that's normally no bogeys on par five, no double bogeys, but it's Tiger would say, how many bogeys on par fives did I make? How many doubles? How many three putts? How many blown easy saves? And how many bogeys with nine iron or less? Wow. And it's just crazy when you think about it because none of those things that Tiger found to be the most important, none of them are go, go hit it further, go yeah. hit it closer, go make more putts. And so now if you think, of your own game and you're like, okay, I I shot 78 today. I should have shot 74. Mm -hmm. That is never because you're thinking I should have made that extra 30 footer. I should have done more awesome stuff. It is always, I bogeyed this par five. I doubled this hole. I had four, three putts. I blew that easy save from the fringe. I made five bogeys with wedge and less. Like it's comical when every time you finish around and think I should have shot lower, it is because of one of those Tiger Five. Like, and again, the dude is such a savant, such a – I don't know how he figured it out, but he literally – he knew that if he could keep those five mistakes to six or fewer per tournament, he would mm-hmm. win. And when we actually went back and did the math on those things, how many do the guys who finish first to fifth average of those five things per event, it's 6.4. Mm. <laughs> how did – how did he know five? And then how did he know six or less? So, again, that's why I, I say I try not to say no no bogeys on par fives because may, maybe you can make six of them as long as you didn't do the other things uh, over the course of 72 holes. So if you think about it, those five things are just not that hard to avoid. Sure. And and at the end of the day, those are also uh, what, what separates you when you finish around and think you should have shot lower. It's yeah. one of those five things. It's 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 pretty re- it, it I get told all the time that what I teach is common sense, which I actually don't disagree with, but nobody actually does it. Again, even a guy like Stuart Sink, 
just bought the app out of the app store, won the next week in Napa last year, and has obviously added another win. I went back and looked at it today just out of for fun. In the last 20 events since Stewart bought his bought the app, he's made 8.4% of his career earnings and wow. three in 3% of his starts. And it's easy to say like the cynical view as well, purses are higher. I don't disagree. Yep. They've been playing the FedEx Cup for over 10 years now and we don't have a FedEx Cup bonus in that in that number yet. And mm-hmm. he's 48. Right? <laughs> I mean, it's just not going to it's just not common sense. It is it is not common sense. So, final question here. What are some nuggets, some like we just talked about, so some actionable things the average listener, we'll say average listener, you know, 10 to 20 handicap, what can they do to start lowering their scores, whether it be practice or the Tiger 5 they should track and avoid? Uh, we'll get to kind of how they can check you out and check out the Decade app after. Sure. What are some sure. nuggets? I, I think the three things that are just, the, the again, like with, with all due arrogance, the way that I'm a plus five without ever playing or practicing is because I only work the driver one direction. My speed with putting is really good, and I, I remain present. I don't dwell on the past anymore. And that's coming from a guy who I played in the 1999 U.S. Open. I was dead last in the field in total putts. And so for me to say I'm a pretty good putter when the one major I played and I had 36 putts each day, it's because – Yes, my dad was a great putter, and he used to tell me speed is the most important thing in putting, which I've heard from a million other instructors as well. But nobody told me why. And the why of that is if you think about a breaking putt, a breaking 10-footer, a a cup and a half of break, if you hit it soft, it's going to start breaking sooner. If you Mm -hmm. hit it hard, it's going to start breaking later, even given the identical read and start line. So Mm -hmm. your shot pattern, the width of your shot pattern is essentially – how many putts you're going to make, how often is the hole going to jump in the way. And technically your speed dictates the width of that shot pattern. I'm not going to say more than your line. I I always do say more than your line, but it's as much as your line, again, within reason. So the, 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 the average listener at home, when you're at the course, only do speed drills, work on speed drills, work on speed drills, work on speed drills. I don't need you doing it for two hours a day. Just give me 10 or 15 minutes. That's number one. Number two, I mean, that is literally the lowest hanging fruit. You do not yeah. have to be athletic to do that. Sure. Number two is with the driver specifically, only shape it one direction. And straight isn't a shape. Right? Yeah, I agree. <laughs> straight is not a shape. Absolutely. Um, put a little curve on it one way or the other. Yes, that might cost you a couple yards, but the predictability is, is just everything. Um, and then when you're in the trees, like, I'm not going to say chip it out, but there is, it is funny because it, there is just this rule, 90% rule from trees. And if you can't hit the shot, you're going to try to hit 90% of the time. You need to find a different shot. And that's mm-hmm. what's funny is I was having lunch with Mark Brody. Again, the guy who created strokes gain statistics, the guy is a professor at Columbia. I mean, the dude's a lot smarter than me. And David Ogre and Essis one day is like, is there anything that you guys disagree on? And, I, and I'm, as I say all the time, I'm like, if we do, he's right mathematically. Yeah. I might have a different way that I view the data um, because I'm letting my, my ability as a player create a bit of a bias. And I'm, so I'm interpreting things maybe a little bit differently. But it, what Mark's answer to that was, he's like, you know, I just wish Scott would give me credit for the 90% rule. And I'm like, I don't, what do you mean? He's like, that was a chapter in my book. I'm like, I gotta be honest with you. I focus so hard on the graphs and the data. I don't, 
I don't know that I read that, and I don't know that if I did, I even remembered it. But I did the same math. Again, it's like two relatively smart guys both did two plus two, and we both came up with four. And and the reason I bring that up is we've now got independent testing saying you got to pull this shot off ninety percent of the time. So what that means for Dustin Johnson versus the fifteen listening at home are two different things. But you just can't mess up a shot very often, and so ultimately. Ultimately, and have it be your 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 ideal scoring average. So, whether that's just chipping it out based on your level, or, or or actually trying to get up and around the green, you just have to know that you can pull this shot off essentially every single time. And that is, I mean, those three things: speed and putting, shape the driver one direction, and just get it out of the trees in one. Which, again, I know people have been saying that for years, but the data is yeah. now why you can prove the why. I mean, even tour players are horrendous from trees. They average 3.8 strokes to hole out from 100 yards in the tree. They're basically making bogey 80% of the time. And that's because they get in the trees and they got this little gap and they're like, oh, I can still get a look at birdie. Like, let alone par, yeah. they're thinking 100% of the time, I can still get a 15-footer birdie. Like, dude, you can kick it out in the fairway and I can bet you you're not going to get a 15-footer for birdie. Like, it's just comical in hindsight, when you put it all together, and it really ultimately, like, it, it is this paradox where golf is so hard that you have to play it correctly, which then actually makes the game very easy. Yeah. And it's just the psychology, the baggage that comes along with it. You know, again, the quote from Stuart Sink after he won in Harbortown, they asked him about decade, and he's like, you know, it's a, it's a really simple system to use, and it keeps me from spending the mental energy making decisions and it just makes them for us. And that's, again, ultimately, in the end of the day, golf is just exhausting. And so we're just trying to help you make better decisions in a very efficient way that are essentially optimal anyways. Well, Scott, that's awesome. Thank you. Hey, thank you so much for your time. If people want to learn more about you, more about Decade, how can they reach out to you and find Decade? You can obviously go to my website, which is Playing Lesson, not plural, PlayingLesson.com. We sell the app through there. We also sell it more through a website called BirdieFire.com. Uh, they're, they're my partners who they do all the programming, then I do all the content. You can obviously just Google Decade Golf at this point. It's pretty hard to miss me. Luckily, if you Google my name, I come up first. Now there's a guy who spent 20 years in prison down in Florida for, for fraud named Scott Fawcett. Luckily, I've, I've worked him off of the first 20 pages of a Google search. So uh, that, that took me a couple of years to be able to at least own my name over this, uh, this scumbag in South Florida. Sorry if you're listening, scumbag. But that, that's how you know your system's good is when you can uh, when we can improve that Google metric. Uh, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah. So the thing that I'll say is, I mean, honestly, if you go to either one of those, or if you go to my Instagram, which is just decade underscore golf or Twitter, you'll see I post all the time. We do. It's a no credit card. When we first started giving away month one of foundations for free, my program programmed it to where it was credit card. You know, like every other free offer. I'm like, no, dude. I literally want it to be free. It's going to be so awesome. They'll want to buy it. We don't need to try to backdoor people by, ha-ha, you forgot to cancel. Grab a free month. Don't cancel it. You're not going to get charged because we didn't even take your credit card. But in there, you'll be able to start tracking for a month the Tiger 5 statistics. You'll watch all the first month's content. Obviously, there are six months of content, so I hope you like it, but it's not going to change my life if you don't buy it. I just want you shooting the scores and honestly not wasting uh, – not wasting 40 years of your life like I did being frustrated with this game that actually shouldn't be very frustrating. It's, it's our only 
chance now is as humans to get outdoors a lot. We've got to enjoy our time out there. Well, hey, Scott, thanks so much for your time. We really appreciate it, and we'll talk to you soon. You got it, buddy. Thank you. Thanks so much to Scott for his knowledge and time to jump on our pod. Course management is an absolute must to play consistent golf. Be sure to download the Decade app and begin the foundation's info if you haven't yet. Thanks again so much for all the love and support for this podcast. Be sure to like, subscribe, and leave a review on the podcast platform of your choice. Be sure to also follow us on Instagram at GolfBetterTucson and all other social media platforms. We love this crazy game of golf and would love to hear from you. Until next time. Thank you.